0: Hello and welcome to the Categorically Romance podcast. I'm Erin. And I'm Brie. And we have, joining us finally, we've been meaning to have her on for a long time, we have <laughs> Kelly Reynolds from the Boobies and Newbies podcast and new author as well. Kelly, welcome to the podcast. Oh, my friends. Thank you so much for having me. We're so
1: happy you're here. <laughs> so happy you're here. <laughs> like Erin said, it's like, it's about time. So um, we have so much to talk with you about let's start with like your book let's start there first okay <laughs> meet me in los felices out Aaron and i had the incredible opportunity to read it early like early early so yes take us through like because you have an incredible writing background um this book i mean felt like when i was reading it and i I told you this i was like we hear so much about writer's voice and this like (laughs) this is a you book so like take us back to the beginning like how did the book come to you? What gave you the urge to like write something for yourself? Because I know you've done ghostwriting thing. You've done screenwriting. Mm-hmm. Take us back to the beginning. Tell us all the details. Like how did we get this incredible book?
0: Well, first of all, I have to tell you Bree's voice memo she sent me about like how much she liked my tone of voice like is one of the fa- my favorite things that I've like <laughs> gotten from anybody who's read the book. Like it it's like 8 minutes long it is just Bree you can you can hear Bree smiling like when she talks which is why I like love it so much but that's been like the biggest compliment honestly that anybody's given me has just been like oh Kelly this sounds like you, which, you know, I, obviously, if you don't know me, you might not have that read. But I, I'm glad to see that the people who do know me can see that it is very much me in the pages. So thank you for that. But um, yeah, this this whole idea kind of started with the very first scene of the book. Uh, because a, a couple years ago, I was still living in Los Angeles at the time. And I went to my roommate's family's I think it was actually Easter, not Thanksgiving. The book takes place between Thanksgiving and Boxing Day, but I think this was a different holiday. And I had a chuckle because I showed up and my roommate's sister's husband showed up, but my roommate didn't show up and neither did her sister. And so here he and I are the plus ones of the daughters of this family at the family holiday dinner with their parents. And I turned to him and was just like, Adam, wouldn't it be funny if like we fell in love? And obviously not for real, because this is one of my best friend's husbands. And I was not about to snatch her man. But at the same time, I just was like, this is like the perfect material for a meet cute is just like, what if you met somebody at this holiday, you know, family dinner. And like, it's not your family. What what happens then? And so it kind of was just like a jumping off point. And I also knew I wanted to write a holiday romance because I love the holidays. It's like my favorite time of year between Halloween and New Year's. I love it all. I love the food. I love the decorations. But I am also a born and raised California girl. And I've never had a white Christmas. I've never had a small town Christmas. I've never been snowed into a cabin in the mountains with like a hunky lumberjack, much to my <laughs> disappointment. <laughs> um, right. so I wanted to write a holiday romance that was also a very California romance, and not only that, but a big city romance. And that is why it takes place in Los Angeles, where I also spent a good amount of my adult years living and you know, wanted to see people who looked like me, looked like my friends, have maybe not had the most magical of Christmases, at least by Hallmark standards, but love to celebrate the holidays in the millennial fashion that we do in a big city like Los Angeles. So that's kind of where it all came from.
1: How did Bowie and Nora, like, how (laughs) did you sit down and get to know them as characters?
0: Well, I mean, let's be honest. Nora is me. Like there's no Nora is just there's no, no, <laughs> no I didn't want to accuse you of self-inserting, but but yeah. It is so- the tattoo and <laughs> (laughs) I gave her the same thigh tattoo that I have. I mean, she is a beautiful, fat woman with a thigh tattoo. I'm like, if that's not me, I don't know what is. And I wish I could pull off her purple hair. But um, no, it is, she is very much a representation of a lot of myself and a lot of qualities that I have. She is very much a go-getter and kind of much more like career-oriented. She's an artist. She is like an actress in the making. And she's also in her 30s. She's not a 22-year-old who just had her big break. She's been trying to make a living of this for a while. And I think that's something that whenever we read Hollywood romances, and I love a good Hollywood romance, don't get me wrong, but I'm somebody who's worked in Hollywood and we over romanticize it a lot in the books and movies that we watch. And I have lots of friends who still live in LA who are in their 30s and 40s trying to make a living out of doing the thing they love. And that's what I wanted. I wanted somebody who is, you know, doing the work and it's not easy. It's not, you know, an easy time of it. Um, And it's okay. But because you're in your thirties, you only have a certain amount of time to make it in Hollywood. And so that's kind of what she's going through. And then Bowie, oh, Bowie, he is just the embodiment of like my quote-unquote perfect man he's british he's a redhead he is in touch with his feelings he paints his nails he you know is open with his sexuality he runs a tea shop i I mean (laughs) like i don't i don't want to be biased but like what's not
1: to love about bowie yeah absolutely (laughs) (laughs) Did you know immediately that you wanted to do a novella or did you ever consider having it be longer or no? I mean, I feel like a lot of Christmas romance Mm -hmm. lovers, novella length is like the perfect spot. I agree. Was that an immediate for you?
0: It wasn't necessarily like an immediate thought. I do when it comes to like holiday romance, I do prefer to read novellas or or novels on the shorter side. I also just don't think every story is meant to be a novel. And I've had some reviewers who have said, "Oh man, I wish I wish this was longer. Like I wish it was like a full-length story, but for me, when thinking about the story and like the character arcs for both Nora and Bowie, they're I, I just don't think there was room for a novel. Like, I, I'm i sure I could have maybe fabricated some more conflict. But I, when I pitched this to, you know, Bree's a part of a, a very close creative group that I'm a part of. And when I pitched this to everybody, I was like, yeah, not a lot happens. It's pretty much conflict-free, tension-free. It's a lot of sex and holiday parties. And that's kind of what I'm going for. So... Yeah. I- like I I think I could have potentially made it a novel if I wanted to, but it just for these characters in this particular story, I just thought it would work so much better as a short, a short
1: novella. Yeah, I loved it. I loved the I loved the length. Good. <laughs> <It> just, <laughs> there's just something, I don't know, like it felt right. I don't know. There's no other way to explain it. Like it just felt right and novellas i think for christmas romances just tend to be very very special like they give you just enough okay so one thing like the book is set in la you grew up in la i know that you've worked in in the hollywood world give us the realistic version of like <laughs> someone from our actual generation who's lived there who grew up there like and like I know that writing is such a thing for you. Like, it's such a passion of yours. So, like, give us the realistic version of, like, what that life is like. Like like you said, you had fr- you have friends that are still out there trying to make mm-hmm. it. Give us yeah. a scoop. Like, it is – I'm assuming it's hard as hell to break it's, into that world.
0: It definitely is. And I think, like, a lot – well, okay, first of all, it's always – super random if you come across somebody who lives in Los Angeles that isn't part of the quote-unquote industry. And when I think of industry, I think mostly like film and television, but in LA, that can also be modeling. That can also be music. Like there, there's just a lot of entertainment that comes out of LA. So when you meet somebody who's not a part of it, you kind of are like, what are you doing here? Because that's that's... And I really enjoyed my time living in LA, but at the same time... It is one of those things where I kind of wonder why people move there or gravitate there if they're not seeking out that field because there's just so many other places to live that are maybe yeah. a little less uh plastic. I don't I don't know if that's like the right word, but just like there there's a lot of LA feels very transactional um, in a lot of ways, uh, and it that broaches into dating that um, you know applies towards work, where it just feels very much like, "What can you offer me in exchange for this?" Or even if you go on a date with somebody, it's very much like, "Oh, I see you, you know, work at this talent agency. Wouldn't you know it? I'm an actor. Can I give <laughs> you my my headshot?" Like it's it's a very interesting atmosphere, but at the same time, it almost is like a Bubble. Like, and there are good things and bad things about that because within the bubble of LA, it is perfectly normal to have people be single into their 30s, 40s, 50s. Nobody bats an eye because the thing about LA is a lot of people who are there for these industry jobs. Are very focused on their careers. They know that it takes so much extra work that you're usually not being paid for. Um, you're working long hours. You have probably a couple jobs uh, to sustain the ridiculously high rent prices. And I know I'm. Uh, this is this making everyone want to move to L.A. <laughs> like it just. It's, But it's one of those places where like, if that's the industry you want to work in, I can't imagine not living there or at least not giving it a try. And there are a lot of wonderful things about it as well. Like the culture, there's so much great food. There's, You can go out every night of the week and find live music, uh, a film screening. You can go to free tapings of like your favorite talk shows. Like there are just so many things that wonderful about LA. And I think it's really like any city about building a community, a found family. And that was definitely something that I wanted to incorporate into the book was that even if everybody isn't spending like Christmas at home in their scenic town in Ohio like with their family they they still have a family to be with like for the holidays and i think that's a reality that a lot of people especially who have moved to big
1: cities experience every year like one fun i think aspect about the book is we get the warm and snugglies that you come <laughs> to these types of books for but also some like some steam, you know? So talk about giving us the balance of both. Also like within a novella, like you do so much in such a short amount of time, but like mm-hmm. how did how did you how did you balance those things?
0: Great question. I don't know. Um no, I <laughs> I, I mean, it is a novella. So like in my mind, I was thinking, okay, it's not that there's going to be like round the pa- round the clock sex scenes. Like I know that. Um, I did know that I wanted it to be open door. I also wanted it to be like very reminiscent of like the the world of dating today, which is maybe a little bit more on the casual side for a lot of people, maybe less defining it when it comes to your relationship. Like, are we dating? Are we together? Are we hooking up? Are we just hanging out? So I call it like a situationship that Nora and Bowie are entering what a lot of singles today refer to as cuffing season, where you're kind of just looking for somebody to like cuff yourself to for the holidays and keep you warm at night. Uh, And so I wanted there to be some steam because I also love reading sexy romance scenes when i'm reading romance and i wanted it to feel natural so i de- it wasn't i didn't go into it forcing it i didn't go into it thinking well there has to be this amount of sex scenes there has to be you know a, a sex scene by chapter 3 uh what i did just kind of was natural. It just kind of came about as it was going. And so I think I ended up with her being like one full sex scene. There's like the tail end of one. And then we have uh, some oral sex scenes on like both ends, which, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I surprised myself. I think there's a lot of writers who I've talked to who will say like, oh, well... I didn't plan this. Like the characters spoke to me, and I never really understood what that meant until I was writing this book because there would be things that I would try to plan as much as I could and then the characters would just tell me they weren't ready for that or <laughs> oh um I don't I don't know how graphic we can be on this podcast but um there's go ahead <laughs> there's one <laughs> scene where not only does she want to give him a blowjob but she wants him to come on her tits and I was like wow <laughs> I couldn't have planned that one out definitely wasn't wasn't in the original outline um it wasn't something that i was like yes this makes perfect sense for these characters <laughs> like it just it just happened it just happened and Uh, I went with it. I listened. And I think that's honestly a huge growth point for me personally, because I have always been a plotter. I have always been somebody who wants to plan every chapter, every scene to the T. And that worked for like the first couple chapters of this book. And then I just had to listen. And- be a little bit flexible, which is not something that I am good with. (laughs) So (laughs) definitely, definitely an experience unto itself that I think I'm going to try to embrace more as I move forward with more writing.
1: Well, speaking of writing. Okay. So like, is there anything like a subgenre or whatever within romance? Like what is, what haven't you done that you're like, I want to try, I want to try this.
0: I haven't done a lot. Like there's, there's a lot of stuff that I like to read that I kind of in my head, I'm like, there's no way that I could do this. Like to me, anything that's like sci-fi, fantasy, paranormal, I'm just like, that is like a whole level of creativity and imagination that like i i just don't know if i could wrap my head around writing it i love to read it but i don't know i don't know if i could write it um that being said i have like thought about how i want <laughs> to write like a witch romance but i just don't know if i'm ready yet i just don't know if i'm there yet but i i love to read outside the box i love to read monsters i love to read aliens but i think the reason i love to read them is i'm also secretly very jealous where I'm just like this. How did you come up with this? Like how? Did how how did you come up with this? Oh, of course he would use his tail for this. Yeah, of course. Like, but I never would have thought of that. So I don't know. I I feel like I am very much rooted in reality when it comes to what I write and like the way that I think about things. So I don't know if I could step outside myself enough to write beyond contemporary that being said i'm not opposed um i always told myself when i was doing more screenwriting that i really wanted to write an action movie at one point so maybe a romantic suspense i don't know Yes. Oh. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we can't wait yes go for it yeah we'll see okay, I mean, why a witch? why a witch romance though why a witch romance I love witches.
0: I live in Portland, which is a very witchy city. But even when I think about writing witches, I think of it more as uh, not what what do we call it? It's not paranormal, urban, urban fantasy, urban I guess. fantasy, urban, okay, urban okay. paranormal. Um, that's kind of like how I envision it. Is like it's still existing in our everyday universe, but there happens to be a little bit of magic, or there happens to be people who are witches. So even in regards to that, I do think it would still be rooted very much in like a contemporary setting.
1: I feel like the last couple of years, we've seen a lot of yeah. witchy romances. Like, yeah. what do you think we as romance readers are craving that like <laughs> publishers are pushing these out?
0: Um, That we want to overthrow the patriarchy. <laughs> I would agree. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Like, And I, and you know what? I've thought about this and like, I've talked about this with a couple of authors who have written witch romances. And I think if you really do break it down, I think a lot of the witch romances started coming out in the last two to three years in a time of great political unrest and a lot of rise about talking about women's issues and women's rights. Like, Because the witch is something that I think we naturally Tied to being women, and 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 that's not to say that there aren't you know male witches like by any means, but um, I, I do think that it is a symbol that we kind of tie to like women fighting back and women being unjustly like persecuted for their actions or you know standing up for something that other people don't believe in and it's not the norm, so that makes it evil or scary. So yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of witches, and I do think they are a very political symbol.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's a really a really fun way to look at it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like, man, we were seeing all these like rom coms with witches in yep. them. And I'm like, what what is going on? Like they're great, but like what is going on with us? Down with
0: the patriarchy. Up with love. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Kelly, share with us about the Boobies and Newbies podcast. We actually just got off a recording for your podcast. Can you tell us, take us back to the beginning, what
1: did the world of romance podcasting look like then and what inspired you to start the Boobies and Newbies podcast?
0: Ooh, yeah. So I I think what's been really interesting about the pandemic especially is we've seen so many romance-related podcasts pop up or really just like book-related podcasts pop up, which honestly, the more the merrier. Like, I'm so happy to have more to listen to. But when I launched Boobies and Newbies, I feel like there were maybe like a handful of romance podcasts that I definitely listened to and checked out because I had toyed with the idea of starting a podcast for a while. And it wasn't until I was fun employed that I was like, ooh, maybe now is the time to do it. So um I knew though that I didn't want to... I wanted to do something different. I didn't want to do something that everybody else was doing. And so, you know, at the time, I remember there being a couple that were, you know, kind of bigger in the podcast landscape that I think are actually all still around today. Um, And there were a bunch of, you know, indie podcasts that I hadn't heard of before, one of which became like my favorite to listen to and led me to an incredible friendship, which is the Too Stupid to Live podcast hosted by our friend, Becky Feldman. Becky! We love Becky. (laughs) Becky's was kind of the romance podcast that really pulled me in. Because for me, when it comes to podcasts, the subject matter is one thing, but it's the it's the person who hosts it that makes such like a difference. Like you, you really do fall in love and like kind of think of them as your friends, that you're like there in the room with them. That's always the goal, at least, right? When you're Mm -hmm. listening to a podcast. But I feel like there always has to be some kind of hook as well. And this is something that, you know, we talk about in the world of like TV and film all the time. And so for me, me, I loved that Becky reviewed romance that was $5 and under. That's a very specific market of romance. And so I thought about, well, what is it that I want to do and say about romance? And for me, it was that as somebody who at the time had been reading romance for close to a decade, I'd always had multiple encounters with friends and coworkers and people I did shows with, and even family members and teachers who would kind of put down whatever i was reading like i would have it in my hand you know to read uh, wherever it was and they'd make some kind of snide remark about the cover or you know oh it surprises me that you're reading this and i i don't know what that means um cuz lots of people read romance but yeah i i really did want to introduce people to romance that maybe hadn't really given it a thought before. And that's kind of where the idea for Boobies and Newbies came in was that I wanted it to be newbie romance readers who read and reviewed their first romance novel with somebody who had been reading romance novels for a long time. And to talk about, did it dispel some of the misconceptions and notions that you had about romance? Like, and examining why do we have these ideas about this genre that makes billions of dollars a year? And, you know, wh- why do we have such a negative connotation with it? Uh, so that's sort of what started the podcast. And here we are, you know, coming on to the end of our sixth season. Um the end of our fifth year. So it's been one heck of a journey so far. I've added in author interviews. I've started moderating panels. It's led to work opportunities. It's led to me writing my own romance novels. So I am so thankful that I was unemployed when it started. <laughs> like it's just I, I I think about like the, the crappy work environment I was in before. And I'm like, wow, I'm really got glad like they got rid of my position and I had the time to do this because otherwise I I don't know what I would be doing today.
1: Yeah. Okay. So you when you started it, you had been reading romance for about a decade. You said, How did you get into reading romance?
0: You know. It's a weird story because it's like I really don't think there was like anything in particular that like jump started my reading journey. I was not – a reader in general. Like when I was younger, I know like a lot of romance readers and writers will talk about how they're like longtime readers in general. That wasn't me. Like I I definitely watched a lot more things than I read. And when I read, it was usually like plays. Um it was uh, you know, maybe something on the shorter side. I do love a lot of mysteries and I still do to this day, but It wasn't until the winter break of my freshman year of college that I picked up what I would consider like my first romance novel. And before that, I had read the Twilight books. And I will say, shit on Twilight as much as you like. But I do think that was one of the first things that did get me into the idea of reading more and finding a genre that was more interesting to me. And vampires had a moment. That's for sure. It was a moment that lasted like five years. I read the Twilight books. I read the True Blood books, the Sookie Stackhouse series. And I think the thing that kind of drew my attention to a lot of the things that I was reading wasn't necessarily vampires, although they were in some of the books, but it was the love. It was the love stories. It was the romance. And that's why uh, you know my mom is a longtime romance reader. And she basically would finish a book and put it in a box in the garage, and it would just sit there. And so when I was home from college that winter break, I... Just couldn't tell you why, but I picked one up. I picked one up, and during that winter break, I probably read twenty books. Like, and that's probably as many books as I had read in like the previous five years in in the span of like three weeks.
1: Wow, wow, well, yeah, I I totally agree. Like, I haven't read the tw- I haven't read Twilight. I watched the movies first, and I kind of was like, oh, this is good enough for me. Yeah, but like when I discovered like the online bookish community. I saw that like so many people started reading because they read the twilight. And I was like, I have to show it respect because regardless of everybody's thoughts and opinions on it, it got so many people into reading. That's so cool. Yeah. -hmm. Yeah,
0: I think 50 shades of gray did the same thing, which is hilarious because it's like technically like twilight inspired fan fiction (laughs) turned (laughs) (laughs) novels. But um, yeah, I think uh, more recently Bridgerton has done that for a lot of people as well. Like it's what's, what I think is important is that whatever your entry point is into the genre, I think it's important to read beyond that. Like if you do want to have like a full understanding
1: of the genre. It's currently we recorded for your last day of boobs miss. What yes. ha- what can everybody expect?
0: I love boobs miss.
1: First of all, I will find
0: any excuse to insert boobs, tits, anything like you know. Body related into any event that I put on with the podcast because why not? Right? You know, we gotta we gotta keep it on brand. So um the 12 days of boobsmas was something born the first year of the podcast. And I knew that I wanted to talk about holiday romance. I had no idea how much holiday romance was out there. I had no idea that, you know, come five years later, the holiday romance would be tenfold compared to what what there was. So, uh I celebrate holiday romance in the month of December by reviewing 12 of them, 12 podcast episodes over the course of December 1st through the 24th. Uh you know, it's it's obviously like a countdown to Christmas because that's what I celebrate. However, we do try to review different holidays across different holiday romances. So we've had Hanukkah. We just did our first Kwanzaa romance, which Brie and Aaron came to discuss with me. So I'm super excited (laughs) about that. And I will say one of my favorites to date is we had one Yule. Romance, and I don't know why there aren't more of them. Because let me tell you, I fell in love with that holiday when we read our Yule romance for the Twelve Days of Boopsmith. So I would love to see more of that. But yeah, it's it's really it's an opportunity to. St- to discuss holiday romance. I also give away t- at least 12 holiday romances over the month of December by playing games, people entering giveaways. It's a lot of fun. It's just it's just a way to lighten The holiday season, because as festive as it can be, it can also be so overwhelming for so many people, whether you're traveling or hosting, you know, family, friends. Like, it's a lot. It is a lot. And so, the whole goal of this is to have 12 shorter episodes where we're just talking about holidays, holiday romances, holiday traditions, having, you know, some fun along the way, and also giving away some books because I love sending mail. So, (laughs) <laughs> any excuse to package up a book and, you know, some more fun things to just pack in there. I'm I'm here for it. So, yeah, I'm so thankful to have you and Aaron on the 12 Days of Boobsmas, and I I don't know when this episode will air, but by the time it does, I'm sure we'll be rounding out the Boobsmas episodes, but of course, you can always go listen to them if you're, you know, not ready to let the holiday season go.
1: Yes, yes. It's the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs>
0: oh, amen.
1: <laughs> well, plug all your stuff. Where can people keep up with you online? Where can they get their copy of the book? Plug all the things.
0: Oh, gosh. Okay. Let's see what we can do uh, as I remember them. So the website is boobiesandnewbies.com. Uh, I also have an author website that's kellydaniellereynolds.com. I hardly ever update it. So, um, Definitely not the first place to stop. But if you do want to follow the podcast, it's at Boobies Podcast across all the channels Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook, and then on uh, the author front, at Real Kelly Ray on TikTok. Ray is R-E-Y. It's just a shortening of my last name. And author Kelly Ray on Instagram and Twitter. I can be found across all the podcast places. You listen on Spotify, Apple, basically wherever you're listening to this podcast, chances are good you can find Boobies and Newbies there as well. And if you want to grab yourself a book, the book is available in KU. So if you have Kindle Unlimited, you can read Meet Me in Los Feliz completely free. You can also purchase the ebook um, you know on amazon and the paperback is available pretty wide at this point i think i'm surprised when i find that the different places you can find it amazon barnes and noble you can even even order it online from target and walmart much to my Yay! surprise yeah <laughs> That is awesome. Shocker. Um, and <laughs> I tell this to everybody, the best way to get the books that you want to see in your library or your local bookstore, and I am a huge proponent of shopping locally, you need to ask them. You need to tell them, I would love to see this book here. I would love to see you stock this book. And they might just do it, but they need to know that it's in demand. So, you know, if that's honestly the best gift you could give any indie author this holiday season is to request their book from your local bookstore or library. I would be chuffed to see that.
1: (laughs) I love that. Just a reminder of like just saying, hey, I want this book and you don't have it. (laughs) Thank you so much for letting us hang out with you and then you hanging out with us today. And just congratulations on the incredible book. People are loving it. We loved it. We can't wait to see what you do next from here. Like you have to write more books. You just have to.
0: Oh, yes always give us a that pleasure that witchy
1: Portland book give us a witchy Portland book okay
0: we, we will get there I do have to write the sequel to Meet Me in Los Feliz first yes. maybe 2024 <laughs> maybe 2024 will be witchy again <laughs> <laughs>